Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's wrong. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English, mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my together, my together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Long up, X, Action Jackson. I'm Tamo. Greg Pappas in the studio. Matt Byrne on the board. S&P Futures up 975. The Nasdaq Futures up... 70s. We look like we're heading back toward the upside here. Uh, we were Friday was very muted, muted. Um, somewhat of an interesting weekend. Uh, jungle we had, boogie. Yeah, we had a little, little, little jungle boogie, sort of like the market. <laughs> um, so we have the kind of the relentless uh, move to the upside in the market. We have the Fed meeting this week where they are expected to pause. And I think it's three to one pause, right? Yeah, seventy-five percent or seventy-seven chance. I don't know what they're. Uh, what they're looking at and what they're doing, but it's very, uh, very strange to me, the whole mess. Here's a Bank of America says, Amazon shares can rally ne- nearly 25% as retail margins improve. Um, is that? Is that good? Or, yeah, that's good news. Is, is that is that the way of saying as prices increase? As, uh, as maybe their, maybe their transportation went down or... Okay, that's a, that's a possibility. So there's also a possibility I could be the jockey in the seventh race today, but not very much of one. <laughs> feel bad for your horse. Yeah, feel bad for my <laughs> God. We think of the two horses that went down on the Belmont right after the race. God. Yeah, there's investigations into the Churchill Downs place too. Or, we don't or su- maybe it's self-imposed. You know, I'm kind of surprised is that they. Uh, it's been a long time since they followed the ponies, but surprised they happen on the on the turf course. Usually the turf course is a lot easier on the horse than the than the other track. Yeah. I don't know, very strange. 11, 11 put down at Churchill Downs or something? Yeah. Yeah. Animal activists not happy about that one. Well, the, the breeding, I mean, it's, it's an awful awful big horse, and his, his feet are the size of, like, your your ankle. You know, it's a, he's a little bigger than we are, he or she. Yeah, what is it? It's not really a pony, though, right? Pony's well, different than a horse. They're huge. Yeah, horse. They call them a pony, but don't you get a you are maybe athletic enough to get up on a thoroughbred. I don't think I would. They're big. Yeah, those are, um, what, like, <laughs> they're, they're like double the size of a pony. Or, oh, God, yeah. 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 Um, they call them ponies, but they're, they're not. The uh, Pony times two. That's yeah. what it is, yeah. Um, they're, they're, I mean, they're even as, you you would never use one of those horses, like, for ranching. I think you get up and down a thing all day, be, uh, mm. you'd have to be, uh, you know, Mr. Acrobat. <laughs> the Queen had a lot, had a lot of them. I'm pretty sure, right? Um, I'm not sure. The Queen was into the Yorkies too. The York, yeah, that's corgis. Right. corgis, 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 yeah, <laughs> corgis. The um, interesting stuff. Well, we had horses are measured in hands. Yeah. Okay, so I was wrong. Hmm. Um, hands, what about five inches, maybe? I guess. Thoroughbreds are usually about sixteen hands yeah. tall, whereas the the halflingers and the ponies are. Well, the quarter horses are shorter and stockier, so you get up and down on them all day long. Yeah. Audrey had a, uh, a uh, what do you call them, the color, the uh, 
they're like they're like blind. I don't know, I'll think of the name. She knows all the stuff about horses, I don't. But mm-hmm. uh, same uh, looks just like Ben Cartwright's horse. <laughs> well yeah. I don't want I don't want to uh Oh, we, pony we, is fourteen point two yeah. hands. Anything taller than that is is usually. Horse. But a Shetland pony is nowhere near that. A Shetland pony is like a yeah. little person. The uh, you ever seen a? Do you go to the state fair and see like the Shires and the uh, uh, Clydesdales? Those things are massive animals. Mm. But no, their their feet look like dinner plates. though. I mean, their feet are huge, not like a thoroughbred. They're they're uh, working working horses. Yeah, are. and those things are. Talk about strong on when they they're the equivalent of eighteen wheelers. Yeah. And you when you you see these people when for the, for the shows when they put them on the in like state fairs and stuff, they put them in these, you know, really elaborate harnesses and stuff like it like literally like the Budweiser commercial. Ah, uh, one hand equals four inches. That's yeah, so yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. And uh so they uh like the girl usually they're always girls. Not always, but usually they're girls to get those things looking good for a show between the, yeah, the bathing and brushing—it's—it's it's a yeah. it's a several-hour operation yeah. per horse. You know, the, the tail has to look just right, the mane has to look just right. I mean, those things are huge. They're like washing your dog. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but, it, but people love that stuff. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely love that stuff. You know, it's a massive—he's uh, uh, what the hell kind of—he's got uh, Arabians. I think is uh, William Shatner. Ah. And the uh, one of Audrey's friends used to have a. A pony. The thing was, the thing was a gelding, so you couldn't even, you know, make more ponies with it. She got eighty grand or something. There's, there's showings in every different kind of like. There's a there's oh, there's, there's a real lot of different. Uh, I'll say species of pony. They're not all the same species, but uh, styles. Well, well, the the horses and the ponies are the same species, right? Yeah. They're just different sizes. Right. But I mean, the uh, what I'm saying is the there's 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 ones that used to pull carts, you know, for people in some areas for cheese carts and milk carts, and there's other, there's there's a size and a, and a shape of pony for like for almost every purpose. Ah. And uh, this friend of hers had one of these ponies, and she it won like three or four events, and I think she sold a thing for like I don't know seventy, eighty grand. It's a long time ago. I, wow. I think we'll call today's episode "Stocks and Saddles." Yeah, stocks and saddles. The, the theme of the theme of the day. All I know is I'm not big on horses, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but Audrey, uh, Audrey, Audrey, Audrey knows a lot about horses. Yeah, the the first uh, female trainer to win, also. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. So, what, what do you make of? Uh, we've got we we got rain yesterday, but it was just enough to aggravate me when I went to the store. But it wasn't <laughs> enough to. I went took the pooch for a walk and walked to the park, and then the dirt wasn't even really wet. So, I mean, yesterday's rain was kind of other than aggravating. Didn't do anything. I don't think did it. Well, in the there's two weather models, GFS and the Euro, and and uh, they both say a little bit of rain is coming, and we had a little bit of rain, and there's going to be a little bit more. So that's a uh, that's good for farmers who want. Uh, but at some point, don't you need like crop. a what, you, what they want is like a two day soaking not drizzle. But not, I mean, not necessarily. Not a, I mean, you don't want a, you don't want a hurricane. You want a you want a two day or eighteen hour soaking. Steady rain, right? You, know, you, you want, want mm. kind of what what we've had for the past three days, for maybe the course of, uh, say another you know four four times before the the month ends. But I'm saying you you really don't want the forty mile an hour huge thunderstorm coming from the side kind of rain. You want just a steady no soaking. No, you just want some uh, weather so your crops grow. Yeah, like we we were dry and and then over the past say. 
four or five days it came back a little bit and and that's uh you know you can still have high yielding um you can still have high yielding results from say the past three or four days you know this type of weather into july so uh, nobody's panicking i don't think so well, we, you we, didn't see like panic but well, we started the year with pretty good ground water retention right yeah started the year uh started the year okay and then we got pretty dry the past month oh yeah and so well, people people were on watch second second uh second driest man record yeah so people were on watch and the last real problem we had was 2012 if you look at that those charts and then they were just kind of watching those two models that i mentioned before the gfs and the euro model and they started to say you know there's moisture coming and because of el nino coming also just it's going to be the opposite for this season but after that you know we're going to get a little bit more moisture because of el nino but um they were on watch and they got what they wanted so you know we're still looking at uh pretty good yields so what um Let's call it, I think, the last estimate was going to be 183 or so or 181 or something. Knowing you hit me up with some weather stuff today, I was uh, reading up a little bit on El Nino. And, uh, of course, it's it's just starting, and it can last from three months to three years, right? And, uh, three. Three. Three months to three years. And, <laughs> and, the, uh, and the intensity is always kind of different. It can be like 0.7 degrees to 2.7 degrees, which makes a massive difference, evidently. Yeah. And... Uh, Plus, uh, nobody seems to know if it's just going to... One guy says he thinks it's going to totally fizzle out after a couple of months and be the worst the worst El, El Nino ever, and some other people think it's going to last for a while. But he Well, price-wise, I mean, when we started hearing about El Nino, I think, I think uh, where were we, somewhere around $5.50 in corn? Yeah. And so, and, you know, we're six six fifteen now, so... It, nothing's nothing's changed. You know, nobody was really surprised. You didn't see the vol explode. You didn't see the price explode or drop like, uh, say, four and five percent moves. Like, you know, you, when you when the market does get spooked either way, you you will see you know three, four, five percent moves. But uh, we're we're in this space. Call it five fifty to six fifty. That that uh, people are pretty comfortable with. Hopefully, hopefully the uh, farmers have hedged and done enough to cover cover their butts from you know be able to live with something like six dollars well for some for people who don't i mean this is not the uh textbook definition but el nino has to do with a uh, like a spot the epicenter of the spot they're talking about is what like three four hundred miles south south uh, east of hawaii right uh i didn't know about that one well that's well that's it's it's off the coast of south america yeah. In, the, in the, like the Central Pacific, correct? Yeah. Which is pretty much between Hawaii and the tip of South America there. Yeah, what happens is the pressure um, the, the pressure changes and then the air around, uh, what is it, warm water and atmospherics, it, it just trends eastward. Well, uh, the trade winds normally run from uh, east to west, right? Yeah. And they, in that part of and the world. And that's the... And then if, if the trade winds kind of stop, all of a sudden the the warm water. Well, I think it's more about pressure. But, so but it in the Western the, Pacific, well, you that, get that, the high. That, that's what causes the wind. But the wind, if it stops pushing the warm water out into the further west, it starts to get warmer in that area, and that's 
for something that causes. But now one guy was saying that the that the that the uh, water temperature in the Atlantic is so much warmer than normal. I say so much water. We're talking half a degree or a degree, which is a lot. And uh, think about like, the energy involved in it, heating up an ocean. Oh God, that's yeah, that's yeah. why it's all. Well, yeah. it means it, it means it's colder somewhere else. I mean, right. it's, uh, your, your net gain. Well, you might have a little net gain if you have global warming, but but he was saying because of the Atlantic is so much warmer now, causing a problem. He doesn't even know if El Nino is going to make a difference because other stuff seems to have changed in the meantime since well, the last one. you can always tell because we've got a live weather market really and it's the u.s grain row crops the, the well, row I mean, crops. you'll see i mean we're entirely based on but how much of weather. it is uh I mean, obviously it doesn't just affect here it affects argentina it affects europe yeah yeah what uh and, and it's capricious too good word huh? right so what were, in that places like argentina can have a disaster crop like this year and brazil could have a great crop so you know it's 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 just like everywhere else a little finicky well, the just as a we were talking last week about volatility skew, which when I, when we say volatility skew, when you look at the VIX, you're looking at one number. Okay, so be careful with that. Uh, it's just like a a price. I mean, when uh, when I first the VIX is is call it how much the market is going to move in a year. Right, but it's also when you, when you talk about the VIX, that's that's all it is. What Greg's telling you because it's sort of like. Uh, if somebody were to say, back, oh, I'll go back to back in dud day, dud day, if you're sitting there and IBM is 160 and a quarter bid at 160 and a half, last trade, 160 and three eighths. When I used to lecture, I'd give a, I'd say, okay, what's the price of IBM? And inevitably, 25 hands go up, what do you mean? It's 160 and three eighths. And I go, no, it's not. <laughs> and they go, what are you talking about? I said, well, that's the last price it traded at. Okay, that's not where you can buy it or where you can sell it. What are you talking about? Well, if you want to buy it, where do you have to buy it? Well, I guess one sixteen and a half. If you got to sell it, where do you got to sell it? I guess one sixteen and a quarter. Well, then what? Other than a, a historical uh, event, what is the one sixteen and three eighths? It's not. It's not your price. It's a price. That's a price. It's a price. So when you talk about. Um, uh, the VIX, which used to be in the OEX, now is in the SPX. Uh, it's, it's, it's a average of, of a formula of the options moving out. And it's an average of, a weighted average of the implied volatilities. But if you go in to buy an SPY call or put or whatever or sell it, you need to look at the, vol- the implied volatility of that particular option. Because that's what you're buying or what you're selling. Right. I mean, they're way ahead. Well, yeah. So you could look at. Uh, I'm not so sure I can get them at this hour in the morning because they're not up yet. So. Call the the VIX what 14 and a half or 15. Well, actually, it's up a bunch this morning. It's up to uh, 14 and a half. It was on. Was, it was under 14 on Friday. Yeah. So 14 and a half yeah. means in the next year you can expect the market to move or the S and P to move. Call it 14 and a half percent either direction. Right. Well, the so, market the market is expecting the market to move. Right. So that's how they price how 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 accurate that definition is. Well, usually you know two standard deviations. So yes, sixty eight percent of the time we're going to have uh, within the next year. You know we're going to have about fourteen or fifteen percent up or down, or we're at least going to touch those. So seventy you percent know, of the time yippee skippy, but it's really money is really made and lost in the other thirty percent. So unless you have the dry powder to to really take advantage of the other thirty percent. Then, you know, it, you could be right ninety nine out of a hundred times, 
It's, and, it's that and last still time blow up your account. Yeah, that last time to beat to get you. Yeah, so that's the thing to be you know prepared for is what in general you want to be prepared for a fifteen or twenty percent move, and and uh, the market is saying you know we might touch either of those within the next year. Well, but the, the trading, and everybody knows I, I I do not give trading advice, but in terms of what to look for if you're doing a trade, there's something called a volatility skew. And this, I first spotted this when there were, this is long before the 87 crash, I spotted this when the, they, be, they had options on corn and wheat and, uh, and soybeans. Because in the security side, there were people called neutral spreaders, which I was one of. Uh, if one option had um, volatility of a 12 and the other one had a volatility of a 16, you would buy however many of the 12s and sell however many of the 16s you could to be neutral. In other words, the delta on one of them was a 25 and the other one was a 50, you would buy one of the 50s and sell two of the 25s. And you can think of that as kind of selling, That's yeah. you're trading the same underlying, so the right. same stock. So if you can buy IBM at 50 and sell it at 60 at the same time, that's... The problem is your numbers don't match up. You're, you're, right. short, you're short so, two and long one. Right. So, so your, your net units are off yeah and you need to hedge that risk but anyways but sorry so what but that all changed after the 87 crash because they started to pay more attention to the amount of units you had out there and not just the amount of deltas but if you look at say corn options or wheat options wheat's not as bad but corn and soybeans the idea of something like this happening like for instance let's say let's say corn six bucks it's a little off because we have the actual number six fifteen or something. Yeah. Say it's six bucks. There's a, there's a, it's not mathematically the same each direction. It, Correct, it, because it, people yeah. are scared of different things. In the same way that people are scared and pay more for down, uh, say puts in the equity markets, uh, people are more likely to pay up and buy insurance for their, uh, their short, their shorts in commodities. So the skew meaning. They pay more. They pay more for the insurance on the way up in commodities. You pay more for insurance on the way down in uh, secure or call it equities. Right. Well, and it, because the um, obviously most of the stocks people trade now are so high that when, when when Greg says it's a normal distribution, first of all, mathematically it's not okay. Because but for virtually every stock Greg or I talk about, the answer is it is okay. What what is with this guy? The reason for that is it's actually a log normal distribution because it, it's scrunched to the left side because it really can't go below zero. A stack. So if, if a stack is is five, and you're selling, so you're selling naked calls and puts, which I would not recommend to anybody. Well, you, there is no minus five put. I mean, sometimes you got to get out there, you know, put well, your stuff saying, out there, sell something. But I mean, a, a five-hour stack, <laughs> right? But a five-hour stack, it, it could go to thirty. Yeah, it can't go to minus twenty-five. The stock is, in yeah. theory, bankrupt. Yeah, so your, same your thing. Puts could go to infinity, but your your uh, stock can only go to zero. So, but I mean, for instance, corn, I I will take a stab at it. Boy, boy, that no matter what happens, it's not going below three and a half. Three and a, I mean, I really, I mean, I you know, I don't. See, I mean, corn's not going to be trading twenty-five cents a bushel. It could go to twenty. Right. Yeah, if there's a, if and, there's a, and people so, who are so short, yeah. say the farmers and and whoever, um, you <laughs> you'd have to be buying your futures back because yeah, you're, if, much, you're much more concerned being short 
Right. The $10 being call short, than you would the $2 put. Yeah, being short in commodities, say something like gold, silver, especially beans, you know, those things can can scream upward. Say if we did have no moisture over the past two weeks or week and we've got no moisture in the forecast, you would see a lot of scrambling for those upside calls. Right. And, and the volatility, you know, instead of... Implied instead of volatility being, of that you know, particular option, yeah. Yeah, instead of being 25, they're they're higher than the equities, right? at least right now. Yep. So call it, you know, 25% up. You could well, see they're not that. higher than GameStop. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> they're 100 and some. <laughs> who, who cares? Yeah. You know, good luck if you're trying to trade that. Um, but going up um, is scarier to most people in the commodities than than going down. Yeah, but at least the guy who, who got, got canned from GameStop last week or left or whatever, I won't say canned. I'm sure they would say they left with, what, what's the term? A mutual Golden parachute. Mutual agreed to win something, something. Uh, left with dignity. Th- with dignity, but perhaps. at least when he left, the stock went down. How would you like to be one of those guys? How would you like to read someday, Matt Byrne leaves Stocks and Jacks, Stocks and Jacks doubles in price. <laughs> <laughs> How would you like, how would I mean, you like they really hated room? you. That was like yeah. that Disney guy. Yeah, how would you like? I mean, how would you like your, on your epitaph if, if you leave and your stack like goes up twenty oh, percent or something? But that happens all the time. Some guy leaves. Some people thing. are just truly horrendous at their jobs. <laughs> or you know, whatever anybody the market thinks any kind of trade is good these days. I mean, there was a time. It's it's so funny how. I mean, I, you know, I can't name the year, but there was always some issue that if there was any kind of news about somebody leaving or whatever. It used to be considered negative. Now it's now it's it's just positive. Whatever it is, it's positive. It's it's you know it's a different world. It's a all of a sudden news comes out, and I mean I'm not saying if some earnings can be negative, sure, but but it just seems like general news is always positive. Mm. You know, mm. this guy leaves. This guy has a heart attack. Yeah, we get somebody better. <laughs> it's, nobody cares. It's it's just, it's just kind of a different. You know, I hopefully we never go the other way again. Although I know someday we will, where everything is considered negative. Uh, but now, no matter what it is, the moment. No matter what line of BS guys come out with, I mean, ah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna double the, the next year. Okay, there's a great forecast. Let's let's double the stock. Well, they haven't done anything yet. I mean, uh, it's just different. People, the market's going up. Everybody knows the Fed's got your back, and it's just a different world. And you got to learn how to deal with it. You know, it's, it's sort of, sort of as best you can. SP futures up 11. Nasdaq futures up 69. Be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
a longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Support the Stocks and Jocks team. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, and Chief's favorite, the Stocks and Jocks ladies thong, all available at our online store. Just go to StocksandJocks.com and click the link to order any amount of great Stocks and Jocks merchandise for yourself and any other Stocks and Jocks listener in your life. The prices are affordable and the selection is out of the park. The Stocks and Jocks online store at StocksandJocks.com. Have you ever heard the expression, the customer is always right? Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Hello and Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Oz, Greg Pappas in the studio. Matt Byrne on the board. We have Mr. Flanagan in the Zoom. Uh, SP Futures up 12, uh, actually 12.75. NASDAQ Futures up 75. We're... Looks like we're on the road again to the Fed doing what everybody wants them to do. Um, Dow Futures only up 31. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX up 101. It's 0.6%. Uh, Europe stocks higher ahead of central bank meets. UBS up 0.7% after completing at Credit Suisse trade. Uh, a combination, yet another bank bites the dust. Uh, so competition continues to bite the dust. SP Futures, I'm sorry, FTSE's Futures up 3. Call that flat. They're not participating here for some reason. Kakaron, however, is up 44.6% over in Asia. Nikkei up again, 168.5%. Uh, Hang Seng up 14. Uh, almost call that one flat. Shanghai is down two. Call that one flat. So again, Nikkei is uh, continuing to drive up, and the Chinese markets are having trouble. On Friday, a muted, muted day. Dow is up 43. S&P up four. Nasdaq up 20, but still always positive. There's no. There's, anytime something drops, there's a bit. I mean, there's no doubt that we are, we are trending up. That we have been, anyway. Uh, U.S. 10-year, 3.75. That's unchanged. The Bund, down one basis point, 2.37. Japan, 0.43, where they've been for a real long time. Oil, down 2%. Buck 51, under 70, 68.66. Where gasoline prices are well over 4 bucks, which is a little odd. Uh, Brent, down 137, 73.43. Natural gas, up a penny. 226. Our Bob down two cents, 256. So even in the burbs, gas is like 420. Mm. So you're talking about nice. a dollar seventy, 427 actually, but a dollar seventy uh, swipe there. Of course, taxes in Illinois are 91 cents, I believe. So that's a chunk of it. But even so, that's a pretty good spread. With the 91 cents on the on the uh, state, nobody ever complains about those guys. We're not exactly sure why. Gold down 90 cents, 1776, 1976. Silver down 11 cents, 
24-29 as it continues to race back and forth between 23 and a half and 25 without ever breaking out either direction. Uh, copper down two cents, 376. Bitcoin, which had a rough week last week, down $89, 25,970, so under 26,000. U.S. dollar, uh, the, the euro is actually up a little bit, so it means the dollar is down against the euro very little bit, though. Only 22 or 107, the pound is 125, so virtually unchanged in the dollar. Met for it. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Sacks, ouch. Oh, yeah. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, June 12th, 2023. Uh, current time is 6.35. Uh, this morning in Chicago, 51 degrees currently. A little bit of a chill in the air this morning. We're hitting a high of 67 degrees today. Uh, tomorrow, we're expecting rain in the late afternoon. Back to 80s temps starting on Thursday. Meanwhile, down in Phoenix, Arizona, mostly clear skies. 72 degrees currently, a high of 91 degrees later on. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs lost 3-13 against Giants. White Sox, meanwhile, lost to Marlins, 6-5. Diamondbacks, however, won against Tigers, 7-5. The NBA Finals, Game 5 tonight, Miami Heat played Denver Nuggets. Uh, Denver leads series so far, 3-1. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. Any chance uh, Miami wins tonight in Denver? Eh. <laughs> it's not looking in their favor. No, no, it isn't. Uh, Denver's just hard. It's hard to beat that big guy in the middle. Yeah. So. Jan, how are you? Good time. How about you? All right. I understand that you are looking at the European model, and you'll be calling uh, PTI with an order to buy a hundred thousand bushels of corn this morning. I've just been waiting for the first opportunity. Uh, hundred thousand bushels is approximately what twenty contracts. Yep. So I yeah, hope you got your margin give me posted. Give a couple counties of Illinois, right? Yeah. Well, no, that's uh, what do you get? Two hundred an acre. So what's two hundred goes into hundred thousand? Five thousand acres. Well, the yeah, not, not the close standard to unit. Yeah. Five thousand five thousand bushels per contract. So you got twenty contracts on. Say the margins what seven grand a piece. Yeah. So. Well, you know, the interesting is the nomenclature, if you call an order in, well, there's no floor, well, there's, I guess there's no floor, but it's a shadow of its former self. If you, if you call it out of the usual stuff, corn and, and soybeans, if you say, buy me buy me five, it's one contract. No, right? Because you're talking about 5,000, you're talking about... No, uh, buy me five is, is five contracts. It used to be... 25,000 uh, bushels. It used, to, it used to be different. Yeah. Because it was very confusing for a while. Right. So we had some... We had some issues with our clients back. We did a real lot of why. Uh, I think once the the worst look a broker ever gave me was probably when I was starting on the floor, and I asked, you know, who decided the five and why are we doing that? And <laughs> I guess that was at the wrong time. Oh God! Um, he looked at me and didn't even decide it was worth his two seconds to answer. <laughs> well, five thousand bushels is a is a is a train car, right? I said. Who decided this and why we do it? And like I was asking questions in the open or something, and they're oh, all. He looked I like he wanted to kill me. I can't imagine you doing that. You know, just, just saying. <laughs> you know, just trying to bother people. You know, that the uh, when you when you put grain in a car, a, uh, well, if you put coal in a car, right? Everybody sees these coal unit trains. Well, not as much anymore, but the coal just sits there, right? Or if you have uh, aggregate or stone or something or sand, it just sits there. But you can't do that with corner. Or soybeans because the you don't want it, yeah you don't want it raining on it so the when you see when you saw like a a big car like a coal car but it had a top on it they had these three tops those were called a, a covered hopper car that was a Pullman patent way back in the day a what covered hopper car what happened to those 
they're still around. Well, what else you move corn in? Well, actually, they move a lot of them in containers now. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're still. I bet they still use covered hopper cars to go from a, a grain elevator like to the river because it's a lot easier to, to to move it out of a covered hopper car than it is a container. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it depends on what kind of well, if the, if coal they, or grain or well, if, it, if the grain's going all the way to China or someplace, you probably want it in the container. You just unload the whole container rather than use the you know process the the actual corn. You know, it's interesting, if you have a really big year, I've driven to Ohio a whole bunch of times, my family's down there, it seems like every wedding and funeral I was heading, but if you really got a lot of grain in the, in the, in the fall, I've seen the the, uh, the guys at the co-ops where you deliver the stuff to, they have the railhead and stuff, I've seen it just laying out in some huge pile, like like a salt pile. What, what do you think the shrinkage is there between every little, every little mouse in the world running there grabbing dinner? Sounds like a free lunch. <laughs> it sure does. Hey, Jan, uh, we're gonna we're gonna bore the hell out of uh, out of uh, Greg here. Hopefully, hopefully not. Um, I've always had a somewhat of a fascination with this uh, Unabomber guy, and uh, I mean, Jan, we're gonna talk about it for a little bit here, Greg, because there's there's things here that are just they're so so weird, and and you look what people do to people, and everybody just you know it, the things that happen to this poor guy. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. Certainly not about to uh, say anything bad about you know the fact that they arrested the guy and threw him in jail when you start killing people. It's you know it's a problem. Um, the uh, the dude who's uh, he's explain me this, Lucy. I can understand that if Greg, if your dad is a a concert pianist and there's a a piano in the house. I could see you at age six and seven start poking the piano, and maybe by the time you're nine, if you have the same, you know, ability your dad has or your mom, you starting to pound out songs and being, you know, these one of these phenoms at age twelve or writing stuff and playing concert piano oh, thank stuff. Thank you. I mean, but I, but I, I could see, or uh, if your dad, matter of fact, my trumpet my, player. One of my, oh, yeah, trumpet player. Yeah, too. one of my buddies growing up, uh, we actually went there when we Park High School. Um, his dad worked in the electrical business. They had an electric store, and he was one of the guys that you know manned the aisles and all that stuff. And so the kid was always interested in electric. And he, and he at age you know twelve was putting together one of those. Remember, remember the name Heath Kit, Jan? Yes. You know, you know that. Tell me why I remember it. <laughs> um, if you, Greg, if you were a, a, a resourceful Ute, Ute, and you wanted to get like a real high end amplifier for your stereo, you could. You could buy one from these guys, and they'd essentially send you the parts and the directions. Because yeah, in, th- nice. in those days, everything was all, it's all you know, solder this transistor to this to this to this to this. And it was real uh, intensive labor to put one of these things together. Well, you could do the labor yourself if you trusted yourself enough. So, what is it? Half the price? Look, it was like half the price. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you did it right, it was a serious high-end receiver. I mean, it wasn't a schlump receiver at all. But I would never trust myself to do it anyway. But this this guy, but I could you could see where he would get that, uh, you know, interest from his dad and so forth. And he put one of these together, and he was always doing something, you know, because that was his shtick. I don't know if he turned out to be electric. I've lost track of him, but but I'm curious as how somebody at age like 14 would decide they like calculus or, or higher mathematics. I mean, <laughs> I mean, most people you go to. I was actually you know pretty good at math, but. You went to freshman year and you took algebra. Okay, so you got an A. You waited the next year and what, what would even possess you to even find a book on calculus or something at that age? I mean, it, 
who even had one in their house? I mean, what, I guess if you and that was what, really before all the calculators were. Oh, way before yeah, calculators. Hell, a guy's eighty-one years old. I mean, there was mm-hmm. no calculator. So, I mean, we're talking about unless one of his parents or uncles or somebody was a math teacher. How would you even? How would that even happen, Jen? It would be, it'd be like, like you know, me wanting to be a a soccer player or something. When I never even saw a soccer game till you know I was in college, for God's sake. I mean, you, let's just saw him. They didn't even have him on TV. I don't think I ever saw anybody playing soccer. Uh, I mean, how? I guess I don't understand how somebody would get that sort of interest and how you could get really good at it at age 14 in Evergreen Park, for God's sake. You know, it's always been interesting to me too, Tom, that um, in some ways the things that you are good at as a a youth or or a child are not, I think they're seldom the things that that you're really taught in school. I mean, you you tolerate that, you endure it, you know, some of it you have absolutely no interest in, but you have to make a good show and or you're going to be bounced out and have your parents on your back. But I can, you know, we were talking yesterday about this too, and the more I thought about it, I can see how you get interested in something as esoteric as calculus. But how would you, be, you just, how would you be exposed to it? If you if you just happen to read an encyclopedia article, for example. Yeah. Those... I'll tell you that. When I, I did a, a high school paper, I'll always remember this, in, in a European history class, and I chose Isaac Newton for my topic. You know, but it was just you know, no no guidance really about where to go or what to do about it. But I started poking through um, encyclopedia articles about Newton, and they would be cross referenced as all good encyclopedias were. See volume so and so, entry on calculus. So I, I remember I remember doing this. This is in junior year of high school, going to the Encyclopedia Britannica for its, you know entry on calculus and it was 20 pages long and i read the whole thing wow. and i was i was absolutely fascinated i mean i, I couldn't i mean I, I practically flunked calculus freshman year in college it wasn't like this made me good at it but what what it what i was absolutely stunned by was the, the richness of the history of it and the, the luminaries you know leibniz and newton and all these people who I, they were just names to me but but you know it, the graphs, the illustrations, the the reason why calculus is, is useful. I, I was my mind was blown by it. I almost wanted to change the topic to calculus. I, I knew diddly squat about calculus, but but I always remember being so turned on by the, the idea of that from that one encyclopedia. Well, entry. didn't uh, and Isaac Newton invented it, right? Sort of. Yeah, and you know borrow from other people too. Leibniz and, he codif- and codified it and at the same time published sure. it. Yeah, and, you know, and you know, Kaczynski was smarter than I was, and you know, from just he was a National Merit Scholar and everything else. So I, I could imagine him going into something like the Encyclopedia Britannica, which is was was really pitched for the average reader. This was not supposed to be. Well, National you know, Merit Scholar, it's one thing. I actually was one of those, but uh, but I was a senior. I can't imagine being one as a sophomore. No, I know that, that, that's the, the other twist of this. And you know, he had a brother who was not at all like. And it was you know fairly normal. He turned him in. He turned him in. So I mean, there's just some of this can't be explained. I mean, the, the you know somebody like a, a Mozart or a Mendelssohn, the musicians you know can, can play all of Beethoven's symphonies from memory on the piano at age eight. I mean, how do you even get to you know acquire copies of these scores and know how to read them and then memorize them? Well, Mozart was writing symphonies at, at eight and we nine, have no but... way of explaining this. At all in, in education theory or you know pedagogical 
you know, studies that nobody can explain how it wasn't this uh, Keith Emerson from Emerson Lake and Palmer a cancer pianist at age 12 or something yeah, and he was you know, yeah. a legitimate. But then, but then you I know, could see you, could, you got a piano sitting in your house, I would, I would, or somebody's house, because you got to play one somewhere. Well, if your IQ is like 170, you're playing at a different level than the rest of us. I mean, reading something, right. if you're 170, you absorb probably. You're reading know, a very different text from what I would. Right, write. you're yeah. absorbing and moving on much quicker. So, but his uh, the kid was bright. Okay, so he was, uh, um, he, his parents. Allowed him. Everyone Park Central Junior High. We used to play basketball there three days a week. Uh, he skipped the sixth grade. Uh, this, the, but this, his life. I'm not talking about this. You know, it's all that interesting. Well, I think it's very interesting. But it's 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 exactly a manifesto on how not to parent and how not to teach. Right. <laughs> I mean, so the kid skips sixth grade. All it does is totally totally bleep him up. Because now all of a sudden, instead of having all his buddies, he's now being bullied the hell out of seventh grade because he's not a big kid. He's not. It's not, it's not like he was too tough either. So, so he, all of a sudden now he he's in a spot where he doesn't belong. So he gets out of uh, uh, the central Evergreen Park. He had four grammar schools up to sixth grade. Then they had the junior high, which is different than the Catholic schools because there we went to eighth grade in the same place, right, John? And, yep. uh, and then and then you go to Evergreen Park High School. Like I said, I did a lot of stuff at Evergreen Park High School in addition to playing little league there, or pee wee league there, or God knows what else. So they sent him off to Harvard at age sixteen. Because the kid graduates, right? I don't know how you, how how mentally you graduate at age. Well, again, you know, we're talking about top two percent IQ is like one thirty. Yeah, and he's at one sixty or one seventy, so it's not even the same. Well, you it's, know, zip but it's code. also don't don't, for, don't forget your your definition of IQ. Whatever there, there's that's this that's one of the weirdest numbers. Well, whatever it is, he he was not even in the same. I mean, okay, it was, but, but it, it's like having but you people know, fifty talk, million dollars versus one million. It's eh, not even close. It, the actual definition. It doesn't mean. John, help me with this. I know the definition because I, you know, I was considered to have a pretty decent IQ, nothing like one sixty-seven. But it's it's your intellectual age minus your chronological age times ten times a hundred, right, John? Yeah, that sounds appropriate. Yeah. So if you're if you're based on based on the current school system, Greg, and, and here therein lies the rub. Um, what it says is, um, if you're if you're doing thirteen year old work, or, or ten uh, a thirteen year old work when you're ten, your IQ is one hundred thirty. But the what the work is defined is the school system is then set up. Okay, so. What it basically says is at age 10, uh, say my IQ is 130. What it says at age 10, you're doing the normal stuff for 13-year-old in your school system. doesn't mean you have any artistic talent. It doesn't mean you have any music talent. It doesn't mean you can write. Right, John? I mean, it's, none of, yeah. it, when you actually talk about intelligence, it's not intelligence. It's where you are in the school system at a certain age. So for somebody, right. say the IQ is somebody who's 25, there's... That definition no longer applies at all, right, Jan? Yeah, and this is the reason why IQ scores apparently have collapsed because of the COVID lockdowns. Yeah, oh yeah, without a doubt. There's no teaching going on. No. So anyway, the guy. So now he he gets past sixth grade, which is enough. You would think that after that fiasco, where he all of a sudden didn't have any friends or anything else after skipping sixth grade, his parents or somebody would have put the brake on him going somewhere even faster. But no, 
He, he, he leaves Evergreen Park High School at 16 and heads to Harvard. All right, now he's in Harvard, all right. He earned his Bachelor of Arts degrees in mathematics from Harvard in 1962 with a GPA of 3.12. So it's not, a, it's not like he was a four-point guy. I mean, he just he had trouble there. And, but now get a load of this. this, this I, I, to this day, whenever, whenever you look at uh, when people talk about the COVID stuff and if these vaccines actually do harm to people, which I sure hope they don't, but if they do, there will be no retribution on anybody. Get a load of this. In his second year at Harvard, Kaczynski... Kaczynski, is that how you pronounce it? Kaczynski participated in a study mm-hmm. described by author Austin Chase as purposely brutalizing psychological experiment. This is a, this is a 16-year-old kid. He's now 18, right? And he's not all there to start with. Led by Harvard psychologi- psychologist Henry Murray. This would be a Dr. Blade. We should get Dr. Blade on to talk about this. I bet he knows all about it, John. Subjects were told they would debate personal philosophy with a fellow student were asked to write essays detailing their personal beliefs and aspirations. The essays were given to an anonymous individual who would confront and belittle the subject in what Murray himself called vehement, sweeping, and personally abusive tactics, using the content of the essays as as ammunition. Electrodes were stuck on your head, monitor the subject's psychological reactions. These encounters were filmed, and subjects' expression of anger and rage were later played back to them repeatedly. The experiment lasted three years with someone verbally abusing and humiliating Kaczynski each week. He spent 200 hours as part of this study. What What the bleep? And it, this, how, does, how does Harvard get off clean on this, Chad? What, what, am, I, what am I looking at? Well, they're, they're not at all clean. I mean, the Alston Chase is the guy who wrote the, the book about, about the Unabomber, and he's got a, a piece in the latest Atlantic online, I think, because, you know, he, he I think he was a Harvard person himself, too, and he talks about, you know, these kinds of studies like Murray was doing and the suspicion that there was government you know money behind it and God Tom all you have to do is, is watch the Manchurian Candidate or the Parallax View those two movies those were those see, written by uh, see, those Robert Ludlum or, or? Uh, uh, Richard Condon wrote Manchurian Candidate and I, I forget who wrote um, the Parallax View that, that's the Warren right. Beatty Hume Cronin Paul Apprentice movie it's they're both about you know, trying to enter into the mind of an assa- a trained assassin, and the parallax view is, is coded with all this stuff with the Kennedy assassination too. You know, loosely based on on the, this political assassination at the beginning of the movie. Um, but it's 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 about brutalization. You know, you're having your values assaulted so that you are you know in effect you know, a, a dish rag. You can be filled up with whatever ideas anybody wants to plant at you. So it's a two-step process. You destroy your tenacity about having beliefs or a moral center or patriotism or anything else, and then you once that's been scrubbed, then you can go and fill this, this person up with anything you choose to by brutalizing them. You know, in the second round, and you know this is the. I, I tell you, Tom. I mean, this, this whole thing about Kaczynski just you know having committed suicide brought it all back because. I really haven't thought about him very much in the last you know, 27 years or so, but you can see how all of this now today, with you know, the, the, the prevalence of serial killers or mass shootings or whatever else, and you never read a toxicology report on you know the body after it was you know claimed. I'm sure there's there's toxicology reports galore for you know any mass shooting you know perpetrator if they're still if they've been killed in the process but you never hear what it is because i bet a lot of that is just experiments gone bad on people who for whatever reason were selected 
and and abused by various you know corners of the medical field that you know escaped scrutiny or control for what they were doing. Well, John, weren't or the rumor, ever, weren't the rumors that they were, they were doing a lot of LSD in a study too? That they were trying yeah, to do that mind? came actually. You know, I think maybe a little farther on in Kaczynski's career there with with Leary, but it's, it was um, suspected. Although apparently Kaczynski, when asked about it, said he had no recollection of. Of you know taking LSD or, or other drugs like that, but I mean, why if you were you know, this abused, why would you remember even doing things like that? But I, I, I my point is that I think the government and, and you know all their interest in the kind of brainwashing you know that was being done elsewhere in the world and are wanting to keep step with them uh, would you know sort of drive a whole industry in making these subjects. And then you know, protecting the, the research and the, the abuse in the process, um, so that it was done under you know the veneer of an academic setting, but it was funded by you know. Well, funny you should mention that because the next paragraph here: during the Second World War, Murray, the guy who did all this stuff, worked with the Off- Office of Strategic Services, which is the OSS, yeah, which is, a, which is a predecessor to CIA. For those that don't know, the U.S. intelligence agency, uh, where he conducted psychological experiments. Some sources have suggested that Murray's experiments were part of Project. McUltra, M-K-U-L-T-R-A? M-K-Ultra, yeah. M-K-Ultra, the CIA's program of research into mind control. And, you know, people say, well, you know, this is all, you know, poo-poo some of this. Well, weren't a lot of the uh, original studies on amphetamines done by the Nazis to keep soldiers awake? That's right, man. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, yeah. Our, and our guys do it to keep pilots awake, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and Hollywood does it to keep stars in their feet. You know, it's, <laughs> it's an old story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Chase and others have also suggested this experience may have motivated Kaczynski's criminal activities. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't mean he wasn't guilty. I mean, at some point when you start killing people, I mean, obviously, you got to be, be sort of like today's gangbangers. You got to be in jail and not worry about their childhood. But could could we we collectively possibly have screwed this guy up worse? Is that, is well, maybe so- this is. I, I think probably at some point, Tom, this is exactly what somebody was after to see if they could produce somebody like. Ted Kaczynski, who would then develop a grudge, such that he would, you know, you know, create kind of an arsenal of, of killing unsuspecting people by ambushing them with bombs. Um, I would say, at some corner in the, in the research industry, somebody said, "Bingo, we got a hit here." Um, I, I wouldn't want my name attached to that discovery, but I gotta believe that this stuff happens with those kinds of objectives in mind. You know, they want this kind of result. Whoever's well, the, uh, doing this kind of horrible research. Well, you know, I don't. Uh... His dad ended up committing suicide, right? Because he probably figured, how can I let all this happen? Yeah. Well, you know, it was in 1962. Actually, I asked asked somebody uh, to come on the show and talk about this and do a lot more about, you know, young people in college. And the person said, well, I can't do that because he did his graduate work at Michigan. I'm like, oops, oops. <laughs> anyway, 1962, he enrolled at University of Michigan where he earned his master's and doctoral degrees in mathematics. Uh yeah, he, mathematics have nothing to do with <laughs> with uh, rejecting technology and rejecting oh yeah. uh, right. everything else in that book that he wrote. Oh yeah, oh no, that, that, this is long before that. He, he specialized in complex analysis. What the guy's name that is specifically geometric function theory. Uh, duh. Uh, Professor Peter Duran said of Kaczynski, he was an unusual person. He was not like the other graduate students. He was much more focused about his work. He had a drive to discover mathematical truth. Uh, it was not enough to say he was smart. 
you can listen, you've seen one F, five Bs, and 12 As in his course at the university. I wonder what the F was in. The F was probably because he, like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, home, I mean home it act. was on purpose. Yeah. It was. But, but evidently his his doctoral thesis, the guy who was put the, uh, was his, what do they call the guy who helps you with the thesis, Jen? Uh, Your advisor? His advisor uh, says, um, he says, the best, the guy's name is Alan Shields, his doctoral advisor, called it the best I've ever directed. And Maxwell Reed, a member of the dissertation committee, said, I would guess that maybe 10 or 12 men in the country understood or appreciated it. How can you write something that only 10 other people even know what the hell you're writing about? It's got it's to it's be above our pay grade, I would say. <laughs> just, just saying. So I it's, uh, it, it is somewhat, I mean, I know we probably spent too much time on this a little bit, Jim, but maybe, I just, how, uh, how, you can, how people can screw somebody else up, is, I mean, this, this, is a, this is a working paper for it, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's it's become pervasive in our culture, though, Tom. I mean, every you know time I turn on the TV these days, and I don't turn it on that much anymore, I'm bombarded with pharmaceutical ads, uh, with all these you know silly narratives you know unfolding before your eyes. You know, with some family outing, barbecue, or volleyball game. It has nothing to do with the drug that's being pushed, because they want you to, to not to listen to what the side effects are. And these are the sort of things you know, you know. Psychotic breaks, suicidal thoughts, antisocial behavior. What I mean, all this, the things that I think people like Kaczynski um, were, you know, I think inculcated with. I don't think he would have developed in quite the same way had he not had Henry Murray, you know, pestering the hell out of them, you know, for three years. We we don't really want to know the cost of this because we're we're trying to solve other problems with these pharmaceuticals. And if we get rid of one, you know, symptom, we think that's an accomplishment. Then they come up with a drug to, you know, cover the side effects for that. And it's endless, and it's normalized. Nobody watching TV today can escape, you know, being pummeled with this stuff. And well, we're supposed to we're supposed to appreciate all of this and and not ask questions about it and not link it to things like mass shootings and you know crazy behavior that we can't account for. Instead, we're, we try to ban guns and think this is fixing the problem. And of course, that's just a way of scrubbing the evidence from what's really going on. So. Here's, here's what you know you've made. In 1996, reporters for the Los Angeles Times interviewed mathematicians about Kaczynski's work and concluded that his subfield effectively ceased to exist after the 60s. Most of his conjectures were proven to be true. Then they, then they weren't conjectures anymore. They would have wanted something else. Do, do, uh, real quick, Matt and Greg, do you guys remember something? Talk about the kind of brainwashing. Do you remember... Uh, and the subliminal subliminal messaging. Yeah, oh, definitely. How do you remember it? It was stopped long before you were born. But you know what it is. Obviously, that's your field, though. The best reference I have is, is uh, the film Fight Club. I'm not sure if you're you know familiar with the, with the scene I'm talking about. I I he, know the movie. But yeah, I don't he, he would uh, uh Brad Pitt's character. And I actually haven't seen the whole film, but I know this scene. Uh, he would uh, he was the projector guy for uh, movies for children's movies, and he would insert one single frame of an adult film into these children's cartoons. Oh God! Yeah, it's sick. Yeah, but um, but yeah, that that Disney, that's, an, Disney uh, animators do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Not, well, not, you know what? Not, used to, they used to do it too, all the time. It, I mean, I, I'm sure there's still a few around. If you went to the drive-in theater, hmm. they would constantly have like cokes and hot dogs and stuff in the thing right before they'd, they'd have the oh, intermission. Yeah. So everybody'd head off to, to, to the, the intermission to buy cokes and hot dogs. Let's all go to the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> 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 anyway, SB Futures uh, up eleven, as if he's up seventy-one. We're off to the racer. Come back. We're going to talk about other stuff other than Ted Kaczynski, but I find that somewhat fascinating. I'm just glad none of that happened to me. 
Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Round up the usual suspects. Are we going to ask Mr. John Flanagan what this is uh, the theme from? Let's do it. It's a movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you a clue. Help me, guys. I'll give you a clue. It's a movie I've seen multiple times, too, but I can't place it. Well, I I always get confused on these kind of Western theme songs, but this is not one of them. This is, uh, since we're all we're talking about in the Stacks and Jacks lately, and Stacks is the Magnificent Seven. This is the theme from the movie. The Mm -hmm. original. Who was it? Was a uh, who was a oh, Elmer Bernstein? Elmer yeah. Bernstein, yeah. yeah. I, I remember him uh, distinctly for the film uh, "The Man with the Golden Arm." With, yes, uh, yeah. Frank Sinatra. That 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 I you know very iconic. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a fan of that as well. That we swing, that's different than this. We also should have you here. dig up uh, uh, since we are getting close to uh, well, we're getting close to an all-time high. A little, a little bit there in uh, 
Japan, and we're getting around uh, not an all-time high here, but getting close. You should got to do the uh, Sheen Easton, the band flick, at an all-time at an all-time high. Mm. I don't think she was talking about the market, but uh, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> what a great song, though. Would, uh, definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, imagine the competition to be the Bond song, like every. Um, but these guys that did these these movie scores and stuff, they were pretty talented. I mean, oh, God yeah. bless. The uh, I was watching Karate Kid last night. Not really the original Karate Kid. The original Karate Kid, and that was uh, uh, who was that? Bill Conti, the same guy who done a bunch, uh, most famously. Gonna fly now from Rocky. Mm. Wax on, wax off. Wax on. Yeah. Wax on and paint. Was it uh, paint the fence? Right. Was it was the one? cars originally. Yeah, wax on. We, we so, did all the cars. Yeah, the cars. He had a huge, whole huge lot of uh, antique cars, and he goes, "Which one do you want to wash?" And he goes, "All of them." Where'd they come from? <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> <Yeah>. Detroit. <laughs> I thought uh, Ralph was it Ralph Marina. Ray. R- Ray. Mar- Pat. Pat Morita. Pat Morita. Yeah, I, I, thought he yeah. was, I thought he was great. The mentor. The old yeah. <clears throat> and he goes, so if you know karate, he goes, somebody always knows it better. He said, that's, that's the truth. Yeah. The uh, Somewhat karate came from uh, Okinawa? Karate was Chinese. I thought it was um, whatever. I mean, I don't know the history. I did re- but you really should read uh, Eric Lustbetter's stuff, stuff you want to hear about. Read all about that stuff. Everything has a name over there. It's kind of crazy stuff. So, Jan, we had a, kind of a wild weekend in Chicago in terms of uh, shootings again. Do you, do you believe? I mean, I, I, I don't know what this even does to a community, but the people open fire on the funeral in Oak Park? Yeah, tell, I know tell that me. funeral home too. Tell, I've been there for you know, several family funerals. <laughs> it's just kind of a weird feeling. Tell me, uh, tell me that somebody who's willing to open fire in a funeral is rehabable. Please tell me because I don't, I don't see Did it. Did you see the picture of the jeep? Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, and nobody died, right? Oh yeah, they did. Oh, they did because originally they weren't saying where his condition was. I think four people shot, one died, or at least. Okay, died. I know it was four shot. Then the people got shot on the. Uh, on the uh, 95th Street Red Line station at what, 12 o'clock yesterday? 1 o'clock? The oh, so earlier in the day, it was like, you know, one or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's what I'm saying. It was the middle of the day. It was yeah. broad daylight. I don't yeah, tell I, I know that station well. All the Southsiders do. Yeah. Um, and I just, everybody just runs for cover. Then they shut down the station, which is, you know, bad for business for the CTA, too, because so, that's one of the busiest in the system. Well, it's, the the end of the, it's the end of the line. Yeah. So if you're going to get a bus anywhere else <clears throat> to go south, you're getting it right there. It's a, uh, I don't, I don't know what the, what the cure here is, but somebody better find one pretty fast. And I don't know. Well, I, I saw a statistic the other day, Tom. It said that there's probably 117,000 gang members in Chicago, and you know, 12,000 odd police. So you kind of do the math. <laughs> Whatever's going on in gang culture. Um, is expanding and developing and spinning out of control in ways that I don't think there's enough police to keep track of or worry about. So I got to believe a lot of the stuff is just retribution for stuff that happened who knows when, but it also could be just getting points in the gang. They have to prove that they shot some innocent person on the street for absolutely no reason and didn't rob them, but they claim it on social media as they're shooting at this address 
and once it hits the newspapers or the radio or whatever, and they can verify, yep, you know, you go right to the head of the class for that gang class. And n none of this has to do with, with what we normally think of as the motivations for, for crime, you know, whether you are in need or you need a fix or whatever, and you have to go out and, and rob or kill for it. But this is just to get, you know, advancement in your corporate structure. So I don't know how you fix that. I'm going to ask the Bodias, as they say on the South Side, like we say the Bodias. Um, I had a class at the uh, University of Chicago, and it was a really, they made you take kind of a bizarre class out of your 20, the other stuff. Remember in like at Notre Dame, there was, uh, if you're an engineering guy, you know, there was the one class in ethics and engineering or something. Yeah. Where every, of course, our buddy Kevin's older brother Tim, who was relentless at finding these classes that nobody was supposed to know about, didn't like everybody in the dorm end up in this class along with the ten engineers <laughs> who were supposed to be in there? <laughs> right. We had a guy. Every, every major, every big major had like a relaxed class where you learned about the history of your stuff or whatever, but you didn't exactly do like engineering and stuff because it's the, right. They're introductory kind of thing. Because remember, I took uh, space tech in society. I thought it was fascinating. It was for the guys in in uh, aerospace engineering which talk about the most brutal type of a, of a, a major of course the entire campus found out about it there were like 300 people in this class because it was an A and you, and you just anyway Notre Dame didn't have very many of those but the uh, and one of the classes he had to do at University of Chicago this guy was absolutely fascinating he, and he did it he had a bunch of different uh, uh, I don't know who gave him money but studies and criminal criminal justice, he did stuff in hospital uh, management, he did a bunch of stuff. Anyway, but the criminal justice thing, uh, he goes, you know, other than essentially doing the O.J. Simpson thing, you know, stabbing somebody because the guy's out with your girlfriend or wife or something, uh, the assumption was that most most criminals are essentially uh, rational. So if somebody steals a case of beer from the 7-Eleven and he has a 20% chance of getting caught, the, the fine had to be five cases of beer. So somebody would say, well, if I steal this case, I might get caught, and if I do, the, the punishment is enough to where I end up break even. Or you make it a little worse. So the guy will say, it's not worth me doing this, the rational person. Now, we don't, we don't seem to find any of these killers. We get, let's say, I'll be generous and say, we find one in ten, and I think that's generous, Jen. Uh, yep. What do you have to make the penalty such that somebody thinks it's not a good idea? But I'm not talking about, you know, you know somebody didn't have uh, enough lunches when they were in, when they were in high school or grammar school, so they get to kill people. I'm not talking about that sort of way out in the world mentality. That every time somebody like that does something, it's like the mayor saying, uh, "These people are poor, therefore, you know, that's why you shoot people." No, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. There's a lot of poor people in this country. The depression, or all kinds of people who are poor, they didn't go out and shoot people. Uh, so that 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 is ignorant, I think, to be honest with you. But um, so what has to happen? Do we do we need three or four heavily armed vehicles on the Ryan at night? In a minute, somebody opens fire out of his car. They give him one stop, and if you don't, they open fire and blow the thing up. To where every night there's there's a there's a hulking. I mean, I, I don't want to do this, but I do tell you this: somebody has to stop this stuff, Jen. Hmm. Because these guys, they have no morals, and there's only so many morals you can have going after these people, right? I mean, it's become a war. And what was the old line? There's no, there's no rules in love and war, right? No. 
there's no Geneva Convention that you know could control what's happening here. Um, and, and the trouble, I see, Tom, nobody really knows the, the depth of it or how entrenched it's become and how, you know, extremely controlled it is within the, the confines of gang structure. So that the secrecy and, the, you know, the other criminal enterprises, the way the stuff gets funded and its intersection with government and everything else, it, it, nobody would really want to know just how dirty it's become, I'm afraid. I don't, I don't, uh, I, don't I think there's two levels, Janet. The, the people, the two, ten, fifty, hundred cars of people crawling around at night, slithering around at night, whatever you want to call it, in a car, armed, wait, looking for any sign of weakness in any neighborhood. You know, somebody walking down Armitage at 11.30 at night, but whatever it is, I don't think that that is necessarily gang-driven. These guys are just hoodlums. Now, maybe, maybe they are in a gang, but I don't think somebody's directing them to go down Armitage and, 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 you know, jump somebody coming out of a bar at 10.30 at night or 12.30 at night. Well, I, I think they absolutely are being, and they're, and they're being, you know, given credit for it when they can prove Well, they, they might be given credit for it, but I'm saying, I, you know, I don't know that they're they're directed for that particular crime. I mean, they're, they're just out there. I mean, the guys that stole my buddy Monty's car out of the Jiffy Lube, they just saw an opportunity that somebody pulled the car out running in front of the Jiffy Lube, and one guy hopped out of the car and grabbed it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that... They called into a central thing and got the okay to do it. Do you? Well, it isn't even about getting permission, but it's like, you know, roll call in a, in a police force. Here's what we're doing tonight. Here's what our focus is going to be. And you go out and you select where you want to do it. And it's got to meet these criteria before we, we don't even want to know that it happened. And here's who you reported to. And here's how you post it. And, you know, we'll get back to you after we can verify it's you. I, I, I got to believe, Tom, it's like that or else... How could it be so pervasive? But it needs to. I just don't. I don't believe people are that good at copycatting this kind of stuff, unless there's a playbook they're working from. I, I don't know. I uh, whenever you see people in Orion, somebody pops out at 100 miles an hour, 15 other people jump behind him at 100 miles an hour. In the north side, if one guy goes for a red light, everybody goes for a red light. You know, in one area they're lively black, the other area they're lively white. So it's not. But there's some. There's just a breakdown of some kind here. If you let it go much further, I don't see how, but it, it affects, it certainly affects investing. I mean, I don't know how you can invest in these, uh, a REIT that does downtown office space in a city like this. No. I mean, I and don't... It's got, you know, it's got areas of concentration, so, the, you know, the whole catalytic converter theft ring, I mean, to call it a theft ring, I kind of, I think, dilutes just how sophisticated um, and heavily funded and, you know, controlled it is um these people are, are just masters at you know targeting cars removing converters and being gone in like a minute or two and they'll shoot if, if anybody tries to stop them. and they don't care who they kill in the process i mean this this is not you know just like you know theft because there's you know these things are worth something on the resale market which you know some of them are, are depending on the condition of them but it's it's about you know having multiple getaway options and of a whole fleet of people who are sworn to secrecy about it and would rather kill than give information or evidence. Well, it seems somewhat easy to me, though. In order in order for this to be lucrative, they claim that, that they're worth, what, if you steal one, it's 150 bucks or something you get for it, 200 It's not that much. Um, I don't see how... If, if, if somebody were to need one, <laughs> I'll use that term, there had... You, you, 
the distribution you get back, and you're only gonna make money on it. I mean, Greg, if you can't if you if you buy a soybean contract at six bucks, the only way you're gonna make any money on it is for the next guy to pay six 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 oh five, right? Uh, so how long does it take to steal one? Uh, I'm gonna say ten minutes. No, 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 no. I'm gonna say with the right equipment, maybe three minutes, yet. Yeah, under that. Yeah, because you have the, the saw just the right size. Okay, so you got to yeah. get there. So call you it sl- you slide five underneath. to ten minutes. You slide underneath. Slide underneath. And so it's, maybe it's you got to wait. Two saws sort of thing, and you're okay, done. Okay, let's go through the process. You got to get there. So call that fifteen minutes. You got to wait till everyone's gone. So call that another fifteen minutes. I don't or, even think they do that. Betty Weber's wife gets stolen in Hermitage. Okay, so call it getting there is twenty yeah. minutes. Waiting, tw- waiting is zero minutes, and then you need to get under there and get your tools out. So. Call another three. So in and out, you're probably gone, and and you got to get out. So less than less than thirty five minutes. And oh, well, we're not even close. If you make one hundred and fifty, okay. So call it one hundred and fifty bucks in twenty minutes. You know that's not so bad. Then you got to get to yeah. the next one. Twenty minutes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that you you line up. Boy, I like I'm a crook. But you need to be you need to be three. So one need, one person needs to be watching. One person needs to be well, under well, somebody, the car. Somebody. Somebody. You have to identify your your select vehicle, okay? So, ones that they really like for some reason are the Jeep Cherokees. It well, must be easy to get. They'll, they'll still converge from these cars multiple times. The yeah. Same car. <laughs> so, so say you're, you're Maddie Weber's wife, lovely Jill. Uh, you so they, they see it on Armitage, okay? You probably tag five or six of these cars. This is God. If I was so, it's three guys though. It's uh, two to three, yeah. Two to three. So, right, I think what you do. Bucks, so I think what you probably do is, is you is you keep circling until maybe the car behind Jill's car leaves so you can pull in right I mean you're not going to double park on Armitage I don't think with people going by you when somebody's under the car with a saw I, I guess so you're probably going to wait for the spot in front or behind to open up and you probably have five or six cars you're watching so all of a sudden one of those spots open up and you pull and and uh, somebody gets out and you use your grill to probably cover the guy under the car in front of you would be my guess. Hmm. How do I sound like a catalytic converter thief or what? But I mean, you're not. <laughs> I mean, you're not you just gonna about double parking. Would make more sense. Just as well, you're, you're not going to double park. Your, more. Yeah, but you're not going to double park. Put your flashers on, and then all of a sudden, somebody underneath the parked car. I mean, that's on, on a, but on a you main can't street. See it. But you could do that on my street. You're not going to do that on uh, Armitage. It was a thoroughfare, so you got to find a way to, to block somebody. Well, or you just move off the thoroughfare. Well, but I'm, so you get the thing and you sell it to somebody. It should be fairly easy, and this is where I think, you know, I'm not going to say aldermen or anybody like that. I guess I already did. Somebody has to know where this is going. For this thing to be worth a 1000 bucks, somebody has to be able to buy it someplace on, on, a, on a recar, whatever you want to call it, a, a, a flip market. I don't know. The should, demand is there. How do you wash catalytic converters? Yeah, how do you so wash catalytic converters? I mean, right. I, mean, if you, I, mean I went to, uh, get a load of this, uh, talk about... My, I'm about to say I'm not going to say anything disparaging about younger younger people, but here I am going to lob one out there. Uh, Matt used to drive down here, right? Uh, when we first started the show, we both parked across the street. Of course, I paid for the parking. I pull in and I see this like hunk of metal laying there, and I go, well, "Where did that come from?" But I don't hit it, and I park. And sure enough, we do the show. He and Thomas are going somewhere afterward, and I get the call, "Hey, Chief, we uh, got a flat tire." And I go, okay then. Um, I said, well, you were parked right next to me. Don't move it. Uh, too late. 
We're already at the gas station. I said, a gas station on, on, on the Eisenhower here, which is now I.W. Wells Drive, they're not, they're not going to care about it. Yeah, I know, they don't They don't care. I said, don't tell me you broke the... And we keep trying to put air in it, and it won't go, it won't fill up. I said, did you break the bead? Uh, what do you mean? I said, is the tire off the wheel? Well, yeah. I said, well, you can fill it up until the cows come home, and it's not going to fill up because you... It's going to come right back out again. The seal. <laughs> you broke the seal. Anyway, so I go, don't you have a spare? Well, no, it's in the garage. So, okay, I'll come get you. We'll drive up to Maddie's place. We'll get the spare. We'll come back. We'll put it on. So, of course, we get to Maddie's place, and it was his, his then-girlfriend decided she wanted the spare out of the trunk so she could put more crap in there. So they put it by the side of the garage. The guy who owned the building didn't know what it was, and he throws it out. So now he's got no spare. So I call Larry down here, who's a, you know older south side guy. He says, Larry, find us a place we can buy a wheel, and we'll go get the tire. So Thomas, guess what Thomas says to me? Why don't we buy the tire first? And I go, who's, who's going to mount the wheel, you? <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, so we, we get to, I'm talking to the junk guy on, on Archer Avenue. We buy the wheel. He goes, we can't buy parts in here. He goes, a, a new law was passed. John, how long ago? If you walk in with four wheels and, and tires, we can't buy them from. If there's not, if there's not, a, there was a law passed. I don't know many years ago that your a lot of your VIN number is on a lot of your wheels. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the parts on the car. Now maybe it's not on the converter, but you look on your windshield, uh, Greg. You'll you'll find your your VIN numbers on the windshield. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, obviously, with all this happening, it must not be on the catalytic converter for some reason. And so the guy says, we can't buy parts from people. So someplace, somewhere, every night somebody's taking in, you know, 400 catalytic converters at some location that everybody must know. I mean, it can't be that secret, right? Whatever no, and to show you how, how crazy the thinking is and combating this, I think our illustrious governor has signed a law that says nobody can pay more than $99 for a catalytic converter that's, you know, produced to them for sale. So I guess, you know, if, if that's supposed to work, then I guess you know, here's a way to fix the drug problem, too. You won't be able to you know, pay more than a certain amount for crystal meth or something yeah. else. Interesting just, how. This, you're not dealing with legal entities here that are doing this, so they're not going to pay any attention to any kind of price limit. So I, I just think this, this is a pretty silly way of saying you've done something to stop this but but you would think you would there, there can't be there's got to be a way me being from the south side that if somebody took mine i'd find out where they were and try and go my, buy mine back you know i don't know maybe with a machine gun i don't know but uh <laughs> but you know this tommy gun perhaps a, yeah well, you know, actually when i got my you red pickup truck in front of the house somebody stole my tailgate mm. which is actually really easy to do and the, the metal facility was right by our house. First thing I did was head over there and I said, have you seen anybody come in here with a red tailgate? Because if, if you did, he's, it's mine. <laughs> I haven't seen one of those today and I'm like, yeah, like you would care one way or the other. But and what, what do you do with something like that? The only, the only thing I could think of, I suppose I could drive around the city to find another guy with a red tailgate and I could take his and he could do the next thing with the next guy and we'd have one tailgate missing and everybody just steals everybody else's tailgate. But I guess that's one way of looking at it. Uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, this Somehow or another, we need we need some people. It, it, whether it's an enforcement in the in our industry, people front running, whether it's whether it's in, we need some somebody to have the will to do some of this, and there just doesn't seem to be. And it makes it we can't get to the situation where if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And I and I think we're sort of there in a lot of areas. 
Well, there's absolutely zero interest, it seems, in pursuing any of this stuff from a racketeering standpoint. And it all involves, you know, a criminal enterprise from the get-go, this army of people that are doing these crimes in such numbers that it's got people panicked, you know, about leaving their car on the street overnight. Well, you would think, you know, if it's gotten that big, then there is some kind of conspiracy or payoff going on that could be investigated at some point and treated aggressively with the laws we have. But with, like with a lot of a lot of other things, I mean, it, it's been used successfully in some gang prosecutions, you know, racketeering statutes. But it, it just it makes me think that there isn't enough interest or, you know, personnel to make a kind of concerted effort at this. Because if you can get a handle on how big the operation is, um, that's got to be the first step before you try to disassemble it. But I don't know if anybody has a handle. On I, how I don't think I don't think the will or the desire is there. I don't, I don't either. No, that could be. They don't even want to know how bad it is. Yeah, but that could be either. Is it, it? It could be on somewhat of a string to laziness to being part of it. And I don't know. I don't know how you judge that. Tying this back into commodities, uh, the reason the converters are worth something to begin with is because of the metals inside of them. Right. So if you can actually extract the metals if uh i forgot you can't really it, do that well yeah you can well i mean <laughs> the, it's, you, it's hard to do yeah but the process i mean if you can do that then your converter if you take it down to the base materials then then you're cutting out the the processing cost and, and it's just pure profit so your your profit goes from you know 200 bucks or 500 bucks or whatever the the scrap people are paying for it to oh, uh, a thousand, I don't know what is it. Great, is it palladium or platinum? It's used. I think platinum, rhodium, platinum, and because I've got the palladium down from a high of <clears throat> twenty-two fifty last September to thirteen hundred. It, it, it's probably both. Um, well, let me look at the because platinum. palladium is just a, a mixed. It's got platinum in it. I'm, I'm not sure how that. What the valuable part of the is it? Pl- it's like, platinum and it's nickel. Not even, it's not even. It's like a. It's not even an ounce in there, I don't think. But it's it's a uh, well, platinum is down from let's see, it's trading a thousand bucks. Thousand we don't give that in the morning, but it's it's been right about here. It's this has been this is a pretty high price. I mean, it's been as high as eleven hundred, but it's not. This hasn't dropped like palladium, but it's been between yeah. But if you look at rhodium, rhodium is like three times that. So it 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 really depends on what you're getting out of and how you get it out uh, get it out of the converters because those are the what add the value it's all it's all a commodity play well the, the and it shows how this criminal enterprise extends way beyond just the, the theft ring oh sure getting these things. and, and even I mean, if they this, they're, they're yeah. getting paid to do this the criminals are doing enough of it where it's worth their while to keep doing it so whatever they're skimming off of this for their wages or to do one of these jobs what was your uh, quote, imagine what it would be to the whole refining industry for it too and no, where so that money that where that stuff is going and god knows where but and the god surface area national security and everything else but how the 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 uh the physics of this stuff is so dramatic there's well it's it's like uh the surface area in a converter is huge right but the amount of platinum uses it is it like an ounce gen or two ounce? i mean well you can tell by the value of of the, yeah. <laughs> the converters well we also have to get it out of there and I don't know how you separate it but you know when they did the uh, a few years ago they redid the gold on the golden dome in Notre Dame you know as big as that is they use a gold leaf it's so thin John what is it is it like it's less than a half a pound for the whole dome or something yeah yeah 
I mean, the, the physics of this great. It's unbelievable. I mean, it, you would think that a catalytic converter would, would have like you know, you know, ten ounces of platinum in there, but it doesn't. No, <clears throat> it has like uh, two hundred hours worth, maybe. It's like it has like a fifth of an ounce or something. But there's clearly enough value in the yeah. volume here to make it attractive enough so that you know there's thousands of these stuff taking I just place, typed so. it into uh, YouTube. It says decanning is the process. Decanning. decanning. Well, the, uh, we had he was a guest on the show, uh, Scott Benjaminson. He was an actor. He played uh, Rudy's brother in, in Rudy. Um, but he's done mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in uh, Chicago uh, Police and Chicago PD and so forth. But his his father-in-law got a new. Uh, Toyota, what's the big, huge monster, bigger than a Land Cruiser, the Sequoia or something? Ooh, those are nice. Well, somebody rips off the converter, and, you, you know, you can't drive your car without a converter because it screws up your engine. I don't know why, but evidently it does. So it was, this is maybe a year ago, he had to wait six weeks in the dealer to get one from Japan, and it was multi-thousand dollars for the thing. Oh, <laughs> Plus yeah. the guy couldn't drive it for six weeks. What a pain in the ass. Oh, God. Anyway, SP Futures up 10, NASDAQ Futures up 61. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you are aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we have always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3000. 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rumpy Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Burn on the board. We have Greg Pappas in the studio with Jen Flynn with us, and we might have a call in from Audrey here. We're not sure. Uh, she was threatened threatened to call in. Uh, we'll see if she does. Uh, we have the uh, individual stacks, uh, not much. In the Dow, I've got Goldman Sachs up a buck forty-five. Uh, a lot of green, but nothing nothing crazy. Your Salesforce up a dollar nine. Dow futures up fifteen. So nothing nothing there. Europe, everybody everybody's up, but the uh, DAX is the most. Up 107.7%. FTSE's up 9.1%. Kakaron up 43.6%. Up a little more after than an hour ago. Over in Asia, Nikkei up 168. 32,434. Greg, you think these guys are going to go through the 35,000 number of like 25 years ago? I don't, I don't know. Why not? They might. Yeah, they might. I, it's just a number. Well, they keep putting their you know enough money in the system to keep their interest rates down, so they keep feeding the alligator a little bit. Hang Seng up 14. Uh, call that for still 19,400, so they're still down on the year, pretty much. Shanghai down two, 32.28. Uh, again, we've talked about it before, you know, how much trouble China can be in while they don't take anybody else with them. So far, they are not. Uh, Dow up on Friday, 43, SP up four, NASDAQ up 20. Very slow, but also but positive. Uh, bonds down one basis point, 3.73, just ahead of the Fed meeting. Uh, Bund. Down four basis points, 2.33. Japan unchanged, 0.43. Oil's a big mover this morning, down 2.5% now, 182, 68.35. Uh, it's been in this, what, 66 to 74 range. Uh, Greg, you think it's going to hang in above 66? It seems to be doing that. Brent down a dollar, 67, 73.12. Natural gas unchanged, 224. Arbob down four cents now to 255. Why did I pay 427 yesterday? It seems like a long way from 255. Gold. Up 280 now, 1980. Silver down 11 cents, 24.30. Copper down 2 cents, 376. Uh, Bitcoin, which had a really crummy week last week with the indictment of Binance, down 128 to 25,930. But hanging in here in this mid 20, 25, 20, 25,000 around there, 25 to 27 and a half. So not, not looking like it's going to crash or anything. Uh, and the dollar is pretty muted today, which dollar is actually down a little bit against the euro, 107.6. Up a little bit against the pound, 125.5. Matt, what do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning, everyone. It's currently 7.37 a.m. on June 12, 2023. Uh, weather for this morning in Chicago, 53 degrees currently. Slight chill in the air this morning. We're hitting a high of 66 degrees today. Mostly sunny skies throughout the day. Tomorrow, we're expecting rain in the late afternoon. This week, back to 80-degree temperatures starting on Thursday. Meanwhile, down in Phoenix, Arizona, mostly clear skies, 70 degrees currently, a high of 91 degrees later on. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs lost 3-13 against Giants. White Sox, might meanwhile, lost to Marlins, 5-6, and Diamondbacks won against Tigers, 7-3. The NBA Finals, Game 5 tonight, Miami Heat play Denver Nuggets. Denver leads series so far, 3-1. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. What do you guys think of the... Uh we have Audrey, or is she uh, not with us? We don't have Audrey this morning. Um, what do you think about the Sox last two days, the ninth inning? These guys got, what, five runs? In, was it both days in a row, Matt? They got five runs in the top of the ninth to beat them? Yeah, let me check that. Um, it 
Plus, yesterday it was brutal out there. It was so cold. So you, you, you hung in there till the ninth inning, and then they get spanked. Like, yeah, eighth and ninth. Yeah. Mm. The Marlins scored five and – or no, two in the eighth and three in the ninth. And uh, day before, I think it was five in the ninth, wasn't it? Uh, ouch. Wow. Yeah, ouch, ouch. Especially after – didn't Giolitis go like seven innings before he in a like yeah. scoreless ball or something? Yeah. Ugh. Flirt with a no-hitter. The uh, So our, our, our gang went to the dead concert then uh, – Really? And none of, them, none of them are in jail, from what I hear. Uh, <laughs> Do they bring the weed pens? I don't know what mm. they, they... I remember the last... Uh, when, what was the last like official dead tour when somebody who wasn't dead was actually with them? It was, uh, was it 94 or 5, I think? Wasn't it, Greg? Or? No, it was, it was not that long ago. Well, it was no, like actually, five, so, six years. So they did, uh, they did the Grateful Dead uh, final tour. Uh, Jerry Garcia was long past, but they, uh, in 2015, 2016, uh, they yeah. did that at Wrigley Field. Yeah. Actually, no. They did. They did Soldier Field at some point. Soldier. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about. Uh, Jerry right. was still alive, I think. At Soldier. It was, was it? 90, he died like in '95, I mm-hmm. think. Or around that. Yeah. No, they they, they came after sure, John because it was it was it was you know I, I'm I'm sp- I'm uh, spazzing out because of COVID is like three years it didn't exist right but yeah. right. Uh, I remember them having all these parking lots down here underneath the I'll say the LaSalle Street Station. If you go across, there's a there's a parking lot that's underneath, essentially, the station. And uh, they had, like, five or six of the old microbuses in there. And that's where the guys were, like, camping out for the weekend. And it was, like, 90-some degrees, no no real ventilation, uh, no porta potties that I saw, and no showers that I saw. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to go under there, necessarily. But what are those microbuses? If you had one of those things, they're worth a fortune, aren't they? If you find an old microbus... Let's check it out. Oh, yeah. I think they're... So, uh, how are we going to put the trade together this week with the Fed, Greg and Jan? I mean, they're they're expected to pause. It looks like there's a new microbus. No, there is. Yeah, there is. But it's not the same. It's the old old four-cylinder, four on the floor, like the uh, air-cooled. Oh, yeah. They were... uh, Oh, the new one's electric. Oh, Oh, the new one's electric. Oh, man, this looks terrible. Oh, yeah, it's not the same thing. (laughs) I get excited for it. Try yeah. try and get a heater. And, uh, those things were rough in the wintertime, boy, because there was no water to heat the heat the place. But think of all the things you could fit in there. Lots of people. Huh? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, when I was gross. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in uh, I was in Canada for a bit, uh, small length of time, and my stepfather married my mother, and uh, the school bus was a micro bus. There was room wow. for like ten kids in there. Did you just say you rode the short bus? Uh, yeah, pretty much. It was uh, <laughs> one very, you know, you didn't have to go very far, but uh, the, guy, the guy had the stick shift. And, Where did you skip a grade? Uh, not there. No, I could have. I could have. <laughs> was this Cheech and Chung as your bus driver? Uh, pretty much. The, uh, I remember one day it was it snowed a whole bunch and the guy didn't show up. And that, you know, so it was like a, it was only like a couple of miles, but you know, for when you're I was in first grade. So I, I knew the route, so I, I walk home. My mother was absolutely apoplectic, calling the police and stuff, and all of a sudden I'm knocking on the door, and she goes, who's that? It was me. She goes, how'd you get home? I go, I walked. How else am I going to get her? I didn't show up. <laughs> you know, that was before you, the days when your mom had an extra car, right? Yeah. I mean, the dad had the car at work, so 
But, uh, but so one of these this guys couldn't, couldn't have been an official bus that came to your house. This was a, a, a just some guy, right? Oh, well, it was a, it was a Catholic school, so oh, it wasn't I like see. it wasn't like the state was paying for it. Right? I'm I sure see. you paid this guy to come pick people up. And he didn't, it was too much snow. So he, he was a private investment. He wasn't, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just, I and he picked up, you know, four or five kids from our apartment complex. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, but so these guys are meeting. Their their choices are what What do we got in the yield curve here, uh, Greg? If you can get it up, we're 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 talking about uh, well, I guess I can do it here. We're going at the ten year is uh, for those looking. Your ten year is your TNX, if you want to call it up. Your thirty year is your TYX. So the ten year is three point seven one. The thirty year is three point eight five, which is pretty close anyway, right, uh, Greg? But the 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 sixty day is what five point two. So the the downward sloping yield curve is. Very dramatic. Everybody knows I've talked about it enough. We have a lot of customers here at PTI that if they don't want to be all their money in the market right now, of course the market goes up every day, but we have a lot of dough. Well, you take some of the profits yeah. and you maybe reshuffle them into something that's yeah. you know paying 5%. Oh, yeah. And, and, and so I mean, it's, 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 it's way better than a sharp stick in the eye, 5%, right? Even though it's probably not matching inflation, it's close. Uh, but we, have, we go to the auction every Monday to put people's stuff in. We go right to the auction and we get it done there. That's something my brother does for our clients and uh, we're pretty unhappy with it. But this 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 has to change, Greg, at some point. I mean, the idea of, of lending somebody money from six months, getting a much higher rate than lending it to them for 10 years is by definition unhealthy. Well, six months for those six months, but not you don't guarantee anything past Correct. that. So, so if you're willing to uh, lock up your lock up your money for longer yeah you'll get more nominally but uh if you lock it up for a short term then you get paid you're compensated for that you know uh better well so when this happened before ass- assuming it, you can get the that five percent for two times in a row so you get well, a full we've actually year got it now probably four times in a row right so yeah so that's uh that's big money if you compound it out for 10 years but uh you know that usually doesn't stay like that. Well, I've I've seen, and, and, and it's interesting. What I want to ask you, and just get Jan's opinion, but you're more of the trader on this. When you when you talk about curves and how they're shaped, and people talk about, well, when you have a down your sl- downward sloping yield curve, it's a recessionary. It's just anything. Does it matter? Not just the shape of the curve. I think it depends. But, but you the know, absolute number. How, how how much curve are you looking for? Well, what what I'm saying is... (laughs) Big curves, small curves. Well, okay, in in the early 80s, you had a downward sloping curve. Okay, you had inflation that was through the roof. They actually said there was even... Right, because it hurts you more as you go farther. Assuming inflation remains constant, it hurts you more to lock up your money for for longer and feel that pain for longer. Well, the near-term rates in 1981, Jen, I'm going to say... Well, you got to do it real. Well, Talk real rates. Well, but because near-term rates in 1981 were 15, 15.5. Yeah, but that's not real. That's uh, It was real if you got it. Well, yeah, it's real, but inflation was also like... I understand. What I'm, my point is is the, the near-term was 15, say, but the 30-year never got above 12, 12.5. So, but when you're talking about numbers that high, what I'm, what I'm trying to ask you clumsily is that do the does the does the absolute number mean as much as the curve? Now, back then, the explanation was easy. Well, I thought it was. 
We have inflation really, really bad right now for the next year or two, but nobody believes that 10 or 15 years out that the inflation is going to be as bad. So we actually are willing to lock up 30-year money at 12%, even though we want 15% for six months. There was a, there was a, a logic to that, or at least a logical explanation. But right now... Yeah, there we, was a shortage of yeah. that cash uh, in the... Sh- in the short term or but right you know, now, near term. To if I lock my money up at 3.5% for 10 years, I'm implicitly saying that we're going to go back to zero inflation like a year or two from now. It's not the same as saying your inflation is going to go from 15 to 12. I mean, that's, that's sort of an easy, an easy, you know, convince to somebody. I don't know that I... Did, why would I ever give my money now to anybody for three and a half for ten years? I mean, why would I think that inflation's going below three and a half or going going down to zero? I want to get paid for my money, something, don't I? Well, if you think inflation is going to remain the same or go up, you know, there's a few different ways to do to put that on, but uh, the difference between three and five, it's it's not the total or it's not the difference right now. It's the difference over that course of the six month to the ten year. So you're, you're taking a, a time bet so that in between the six months and the 10 years is what is your total interest because you're not able to lock up that five. It's, a, it's like a fake 5.5% because you only get it for six months. Well, what do you get for a year? So, so the year, it's, you're gambling on time or you're making a, a structured bet on time because nobody knows you can lock in 10 years that's fine you can lock in five years but the point is um how long are you willing to take a chance that that five percent is going to be higher than the or that 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 shorter time frame is going to be higher than the longer time frame that's really what the market is telling us in that your guaranteed nominal uh returns are going to be are going to be longer for the higher, but it's not as well. It could stay inverted like this. It could, if you do get the five percent for <laughs> ten years, you know, that's that's great. You made the right, right trade. Right now, right now, the top of the the top of the curve is the uh, six month at three point nine seven, three point three three. Uh, th- I'm sorry, three point three. F- call it three. F- call it five point four. All right, and the four month is 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 five point uh, uh, well three eight, so they're pretty much the same. But if you go out to five years, is three point eight. Right. So what we're saying is, somewhere in that six month to five year period, you've you're going to get uh, a different rate than the current one. The there's no reason to lock up money that long. But why why are we still giving? The government essentially money for nothing. The re- what's the real rate of interest here? The real rate of interest depends on what your definition of inflation is. Okay. So, if your if your definition of inflation right now is that four uh, percent, you can lock in one percent right. by say uh, using using higher than that. The what was it six to twelve? Yeah. So you can do that, and that's one percent real, and that's you know good, but. But most investors would say, "Well, I'm not interested in one year. You know, let me let me see the real rates associated you, with the one you, of the. You know, it takes a lot to get somebody who's managing 
a billion dollars or something to really pay attention to those month-to-month variations. Well, why, would, why would I ever want this, this is a, well, i got to see if I can dig it out, if I can find my notes of how many years ago. One of the biggest constants, or one of the longest holding constants in economics back to the Stone Age. Yeah, you can't get something for nothing. Yeah. So the real returns are going to be 1% or 2%, they should be no what? matter what. But through, through centuries, they've been 25 or 3 Yeah. And so, if, so if you think that you want to get a real rate of 3% for 30 years, which isn't very high, by the way, Right now, we're saying that our, our guys are going to have inflation at less than 1% for the next 30 years. Does anybody believe that? Well, you can see you can see a whole bunch of buyers. So, Well, I mean, there's, there's reasons for that. I mean, because our rates are higher than other countries. So right. I mean, there's, right. There's reasons for this to be there. But if you ask yourself, I mean, as, I mean, as a money manager, let's put it this way. If, uh, if John's great-grandpa Flanagan... Gave me the chief five million bucks, and I charged them a fee, and I put them at a thirty-year rate at three point eight five. Do you think Chan's gonna be happy? I mean, he could have, like you said before, you could have just done it at auction. Well, not only that, <laughs> but I mean, he'd say, "What? What? Why? We well, just you just lock Grandpa Flanagan into negative interest for thirty years." Wait, yeah. what, but I mean, there's reasons for it. I mean, insurance companies have to buy a certain amount of uh, in their charters, a certain amount of U.S. Treasuries. Yeah, they, they want why. they like to be. Uh, <laughs> considered solvent. Well, yeah, well, but I mean, like that. I mean, that's why the interesting part can't anybody. Um, I look at this, uh, I was reading something about this Tucker, or who's the guy who got booted Tucker Fox Carlson. or whatever? He didn't get booted, he got put on the sidelines. Well, so that's what he's suing, or what they're suing him about, or whatever that is, because he's not fired, but he's doing his own show on Twitter. Uh, but are they still paying him? I think so, yeah. He's still under contract. Which is so they're paying him to do nothing. I, I yeah, well, I exactly. Find, I, I That's the greatest job ever. Yeah, they're paying him to do nothing. Um, yeah, they've, they've, they just took his show. Away. Really. Yeah, they took his show away, but they didn't stop paying. But him. in Jan, you're the attorney. If it says that you can't get another job, can you tweet out your opinions and not get paid? I don't know. What, it'd be interesting. Look at the contract. Well, if they're if they're paying him to abide by the contract from which he's you know in effect been silenced on Fox, but he can't you know do a show elsewhere. There's a lot of that kind of stuff that's protected in business, any kind of non-compete clause. But is a Twitter a show? A tweet a show? It could be free speech. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I I'd fight it if I would talk Tucker Carlson certainly, but you know, I, there's a reason why this this has been handled the way it was. I think they. they the, the word was out to get him off the air completely, and that, that I don't think they'll be satisfied until they do. So, well, I mean, I don't I, mean Fox, or I mean, I mean, you know, Merrick Garland and, and his ilk. You know, they don't how does a, but how does how does Fox, which is supposedly the conservative station, I can't believe those are the guys. That, I mean, I never, I never thought I'd put Tucker Carlson in the same in the same lifeboat as uh, RFK Jr. Both bitch. Both pitching at uh, Fox. Fox is no different or any better than the other networks in that regard, Tom, because they're getting money from big pharma, and you know they, they style themselves. And you know this is part of Murdoch's shtick, I think, that they're sort of this, you know, conservative lone wolf, and it's just horse bleed to me. They're they're no better when it comes to ethics or fairness or anything anything than any other network. So I don't I don't hold them any higher in my estimation than I do CNN. Well, if, if I if I follow the money, which again is my greatest weakness, I think, uh, if I follow the money, I'm going to say they have more 
of an inclination to do something like this than CNBC or CNN. And the reason why I say that is, uh, well, I'm talking about not facts, but uh, uh, like facts business is kind of what I'm talking about. It's probably more about facts business than comparing facts business to CNBC. CNBC, I think, is in the first... Of course, who knows, all people switch around the cable, whether it's even holds true anymore. They were in the first, I use the term tranche, if you get cable and you got and you got more than your local listings, went to, you know, level one, you got CNBC. You didn't get Fox Business. This, you know, again, this might have changed in some areas, but what that means is, unbeknownst to the John Flanagan's and Greg Pappas's of the world, you guys actually know, Probably you're paying a quarter a month or 50 cents a month of your cable bills going to CNBC. Whether you ever watch it, whether you don't watch it, whether you hate it, whether you shoot the TV when they come in. Where Fox Business is not in that group. So now, the next one up uh, is probably includes Fox Business, depending on your cable company. So if you if you Bloomberg call it, is probably the highest. Well, right? Bloomberg is. I mean, you won't, you have to get like the high end of your cable to get Bloomberg. Yeah, we don't even get Bloomberg here in the office, and we have we have a dish because uh, that's another whole chunk. Um, so 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 Bloomberg. What I'm saying, Bloomberg, of course, he's got nothing but dough. But if he didn't, um, they are way more dependent on advertising than CNBC or Fox, and Fox is more dependent on advertising than CNBC in, in one man's. You know, could could be that CNBC has all these contracts with guys that are paying where they actually care about the advertising as much at the end of the day. But by and large, they're getting a, a bigger check at the beginning of the day without an advertiser. Because if, if you, you kind of look at the advertisement in there sometimes, well, me being somewhat in radio, I look at the advertisers and the first thing you do is you, you look at your target audience and that's who you, well, for a long period of time, what did, what did CNBC and the NFL have in common? Uh, I'll lob that TV one deal? No, in terms of their advertisers. Viagra? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Viagra, what was the other one? Uh, Cialis? Keytruda. Well, you know, uh, Levitra, I think, I never saw it, but it was, it was Cialis and Viagra. And they both came off patented in roughly the same year, I'm going to say four or five years ago. And I think they were, were they $40 million to the NFL or some massive number? They went to like zero. And same thing with uh, CNBC. The only thing I remember in the, in the commercial is the one very attractive lady with the with the luggage set that had it cost thousands of dollars. Well, Mike Ditka did uh, Levitra, so. Oh yeah, well, I remember. I don't know if he was ever, <laughs> but they were uh, <clears throat> the, the two the two sitting in the in the hot tubs. That was uh, yeah, that was, was it Cialis, right? The Weekender. Whatever. Yes, Cialis yes, was, was. E- Eli Lilly. But what I'm saying is, they both went off patent. And, and now, but that that would have been a much bigger hit to Fox Business than it would be to CNBC, because CNBC gets a bigger check without anybody. So you can you can sure tell the age of the clientele. So yeah, no. that I think it was uh, what Pfizer for Viagra, yeah. Eli Lilly, um, and and uh, I don't know who's Levitra. Um, Levitra was Glaxo. GlaxoSmithKline. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you can you can sort of tell. But I'm saying where, where you are in the cable network or the cable hierarchy has a lot to do with your with whether you, how much you depend on the advertising itself. I guess long story short, don't tell it. But right. But uh, so okay, what's the Fed going to do, and what are they going to say? 
I think they're going to pause and pivot, Tom. <laughs> you think they're going down? They're going to start yeah. going down? Uh, yeah, I'm just I kind of... I, I think there'll be enough, you know, push to return to what we had before, given what's likely to be happening in the next year or so, that you'll you might see them coming down. So I can't well, I can't say for sure, but I just have a feeling uh, there's there's enough pushback against what we're doing now that that's going to happen. What what are they? They're not doing anything. What are they doing now? It's pushback. Well, I, mean, I think they'll. I don't think they're going to raise them again, but I I think you know pretty soon we're going to see them dropping. All right, so. Their goal really isn't to fight inflation; it's to keep the market up. Yeah. What do you think about yeah, that? They're going to make you just give up on the inflation thing because that's going to, yeah, have an energy of its own. Well, let's do an applied uh, applied calculation here. I mean, can we look up the uh, volatility for the tenure? Um, not till not till the market opens. Not till the market opens. <laughs> but uh, you know, Dan Dan uh, Janitas said some interesting stuff last Thursday, Jan. I don't know if you. Uh, where we talked about people are getting, they've they've managed to deal with this inflation. They just cut stuff out of their budget, and right. And I, you know, that's a that's a scary thing. I know I was going through it. It just it hard bakes it into everything else than two time because people, um, to the extent they can, you know, alter their choices uh, to cope with it and and select other things or other forms of entertainment or other venues, you know, to eat at or whatever. Um, they'll they'll find a way. Around it, so that it, it means that they've accepted the way you know prices have increased, and they're just adapting by changing the consumption in other areas. So this is this is the the, the worst thing about inflation, I think, is that people get used to it and it starts to have its own kind of you know momentum behind it. Well, the people that have been helping me out at my place, uh, one of the gentlemen, his son has gotten old enough where he helps him out when he does odd jobs, and the, the kid likes to eat a Chick Fil A. So for the last three Saturdays, I get everybody lunch, right? So I go to Chick-fil-A. I, I, I am astounded by the prices that place charges and how crowded they are. I mean, it, it's, it's incredibly expensive for what you get. I would love to be in the, in the chicken business because chicken is so cheap. <laughs> they charge mm, Costco so much. just built their own, or they're building their own billion-dollar chicken processing facility in Nebraska. They want to keep those rotisseries at five bucks. Oh yeah! So they're they're yeah. one of the few to do that. Well, the, well, Sam's is they gonna sell them to Sam's? <laughs> the Sam's are five bucks too. They haven't, yeah, they haven't broken the, uh, the no price fixing here. Co- Costco is really keen about some of those food prices because it's the loss leader, or maybe just a you know they bring in those those uh, customers with the rotisserie chickens and well, what's and, that? What's uh, the hat dog? In, uh, and the hot dog is still a dollar fifty and. The CEO's got a famous quote of saying, "If you, or no, not the CEO. I think it was maybe the the founder or something. He goes, if you change the price of the hot dog, I'm going to kill you.' <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you get a, you get a coke with it too, don't you? Yeah, you get the yeah. you get the hot dog deal. So, God. well, anyway, SP futures up 13, Nasdaq futures up 79. Thank you guys, Matt. Nice job. No Back tomorrow, uh, stocks and jacks. PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. 
back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Hey guys. What's up, G? Wanna go to Chachki's? Get some coffee? A little early. I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. 